0: Welcome to the Happiness Podcast, brought to you by me, Mark Price, and my platform, Engaging Works, designed to help you be happier at work. Having been the boss of Waitrose for many years and working within the John Lewis Partnership, I became interested in the way that we work. How being happy at work can not only transform an individual's life, but how it can also transform an organisation. So my mission is to get the world a little bit happier at work. In doing so, I've created a happiness survey which measures and then compares to others how happy you are at work. It's free to take and you can find out about it at engaging.works. In the happiness podcast, I'll be speaking with people from all walks of life about how they work and their happiness at work. From people who have had career changes to entrepreneurs who have forged their own career paths. It's all about happiness happiness and how we recognise this happiness at work and all get a little bit happier.
1: I'm Lisa Smazarski. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Stylist.
0: Welcome. Lisa, you've been incredibly successful at launching Stylist magazine. Just over 10 years old now. Uh, Millions of people visiting your magazine online. Hundreds of thousands of copies uh, distributed throughout the UK. How did that start?
1: It's, I mean, it's amazing to uh, hear it like that told back to you because, of course, the story is very different in my mind. So when we launched Stylist, there were a team of 12 of us working on the editorial team and a handful of people on the commercial side working in a very simple office with not much infrastructure around it. It was a real startup, And we had an idea that there was an opportunity to create a magazine for intelligent women that spoke to them in a different way but also there was an opportunity to distribute that differently as well so our brother title shortlist had launched um about 12 months before and had been incredibly successful and the founders uh, mike Sutar, tim ewington and phil hilton had realized that actually the way that people were consuming magazines had changed we were all from traditional newsstand magazine backgrounds but actually if you could deliver a magazine into people's hands there might still be an opportunity that people would read it and that's what they discovered very quickly with shortlist and we thought actually if you could do this for women you could change the dialogue and change the way that these magazines were sold and that they spoke to women and we did a huge amount of research but also i've been working in newsstand magazines at the time and there was a real fatigue with the women's magazines that were available so Lots of women felt that they felt patronized by them, that the offering was homogenized. It wasn't, you know, how could you clarify which one was actually for you on a newsstand? And there were lots of really negative traits that had somehow filtered into magazines for women, which, you know, made women feel bad about reading them. So we thought, actually, if we could speak to women intelligently, take away some of those facets, and that would be negative paparazzi photos, or talking about diets and body image all the time, or talking about your partner as if he was more important than you um, we would eliminate those from stylists and create a magazine that reflected how women spoke to each other so i liken an issue to a conversation with your friend over a bottle of wine where you will cover everything so today we would be talking about brexit i might talk to you about something that happened in the office or a promotion or a pay rise that i wanted to go for might talk about an outfit I want to buy at the weekend. I'd probably come back to Brexit again. And, um, and then I might get excited about the food that had just arrived for me on the table. And really, we were like, actually, we're multifaceted. We talk about lots of different things at high speed and lots of different ways. Actually, our media doesn't reflect that. And that's really where the stylist journey starts, was that we had this belief. We tested it a little bit in research. But actually, the real proof of the pudding was in the first day that stylist was handed out so we were working roughly sort of 8am to 2am days I mean it was absolutely insane sort of just running on adrenaline and lots of chocolate the first morning the issue went out and I was like oh I'm so nervous because I'm sort of really prepared to listen and to take your changes in and to respond to what the audience want and then so I put my own email address in and um, went off to a meeting came back to my desk and I had 300 emails and well, I read no. one and I It was good. I was like, okay, it's good, it's good. This is, okay, I'm all right, read another. And the overwhelming opinion was, I've been waiting for this magazine, thank you. And that day continued like that. So by the end of the day, I'd had a good thousand emails of people just getting in touch. That gave me really the drive to move forward with the next six months, which were equally busy and crazy and we were still introducing ourselves against a market who didn't want us to win. We were the underdogs. It was um, towards the end of recessionary period, you know, quite hard in the commercial market. But belief, passion, and that sort of shared um, belief of our audience really won through, I think.
0: So you were an overnight success.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that took a good 15 years to get there.
0: (laughs) I mean, looking back, it seems to me to be quite a bold move. I mean, you were editing Bliss before that. You'd edited Smash Hits. You'd been fantastically successful doing that. And you stopped editing Bliss to go to a startup.
1: Yeah, I was actually at Moore just before. Um, but I'd been at um Emap and then which had been bought and became Bower while I was there, who had been incredibly supportive of me, had given me opportunities to edit these different titles, and I was fairly secure in that position. But this this goes back to a bit of blind ambition and belief. I really believed in what we could do with that title. Just felt like such an amazing opportunity. I was still young, I had no real commitment, so I thought if i 'm ever going to do it i 'm going to do it now.
0: So where does that blind ambition and uh determination come from
1: i don't know my i 've had this conversation with my mum quite recently because um she said oh you've oh you've always had that. I mean, she said, you left your school to go and do some a levels at a college i didn't want you to go to because you decided you were going to go into journalism. There was a problem, which I don't even remember, there was a problem on the first day and your course wasn't available and you went and requested that they put it back on. But I just, I, do, I genuinely don't know. I think I have to thank my mum really for giving me a belief system where I just believed I could do anything. I really did, you know. I didn't feel like the doors were closed and perhaps I should have. I mean, she, she mentioned several moments where I sort of go, Mum, they all know people, I don't know anyone. But you know, the the door didn't feel closed actually. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a real gift to be given, is the idea that actually, if if you go for it, if you're going to work hard at it, it, it can it can be there for you. And so I guess that's something that sits inside me, thanks to that upbringing, really.
0: And so when when was the first thought triggered about you being a journalist? How young were
1: you? Um, I t- this is really a funny one because I <laughs> I always reference a TV show called Press Gang. Um, which I loved. It was amazing. Julia Swahala was the editor, um, which was teenagers running a magazine. And I, you know, I I was addicted to this TV show. And I thought, I I quite want to do that. I loved magazines as well. I was a huge magazine fan. Um, So I would consume a lot of them as well. I mean, But that felt a million miles away, I think, when I would look at those. I expected to work in a local newspaper, something a bit closer to home. I did my work experience at um, the Barnet times and the Hendon times. And I I got a front page story of one of them at the age of 15, just right place, right time. One of those moments. It was a bank robbery. Which was, you know, so exciting, but I just, I don't think anyone realised, and I've gone along with this report, I mean, they were so generous, It was, they didn't need to give me that byline at all, I'm sure I barely wrote any of it, but what an amazing opportunity to go, ooh, that's my name on the front of the newspaper, I was 15, I mean, what an incredible... Can
0: you remember who it was on the paper that sort of took you under your wing? Oh, do you know what, I can't
1: actually, because I was there for such a, a, a small... Period, and I think again, I, I guess I was a teenager, I took it for granted a little bit. Um, I wish I did, I wish I'd paid more time and attention because I'd quite like to get back in touch with them now to just say thank
0: you. <laughs> and along your journey, when was your belief and ambition most shaken?
1: Uh, working in newsstand magazine, is, it was really hard, so, more magazine. Um, which I mentioned was just before Stylist. I joined it. It was a fortnightly magazine. Which again, the newsstand was having a tough time, and if it wasn't weekly, it wasn't monthly. It was anomalous. So behaviors had changed, and we took it from fortnightly to weekly, and then it. We probably had two or three incarnations, and it was hard. It was really hard. We'd get some tough sales figures, and I, just, you know, I had moments working there. I was like, I don't know, if, I don't know if I've got what it takes here. Actually. Um, so, but I kept, again, I kept persevering. I mean, the moments where I really did think maybe I should just step back, maybe I should hand this over to someone who knows what they're doing. Um, but actually, we did we did get there, and I felt incredibly proud of what we achieved. And it it went on to survive for a, a couple more years afterwards. But it's it was in the death throes, and that was a really hard experience. But again, you know, you do learn through those moments and there are things I would do differently now. Um, I think this might be more on bliss, but I I was a little bit knee-jerk in some of the decisions I made. Born out of panic, I suppose, a little bit. And I think I would be more measured and calmer now. I learned a huge amount. I mean, we had a big restructuring of the company during that period. I, I learned a huge amount about management. I think so, I handled it as best as I could do. Yeah, there were redundancies, there yeah. were... But as a young manager, I mean, I was editor of Smash Hits at 25, so probably by the time I got to more, as even in my late 20s or early 30s, and one of the first jobs I had to do was make a huge swathe of people redundant. How
0: did that feel?
1: Horrific, really horrific. And I wasn't experienced, and I sort of... I knew I had to do it, it was a company-wide programme. But actually, it was awful, you know, to sort of um, have to manage that process, to rebuild the team afterwards, particularly a huge time of transition. And
0: did you have a mentor? Was there anybody you could have turned to to um, ask for advice?
1: Yeah, there were there were people who were incredibly supportive to me. So prior to my time at Stylist, I had an editor called Sarah Kramer um, at New Woman and... Um, she just seemed to just speak the wisest words and was such a calm and together character and she was really useful at just sort of she wasn't you know we had no official setup but she would just say things that would sort of really center my thinking um so i think she was a really big influence for me actually about how to be actually about how to be kind and how to be a great editor with a great vision how to be calm how to keep all of those things together i learned a lot i only worked with her for a really short period but uh, learned a lot from her.
0: And do you mentor anybody now?
1: I don't officially mentor anyone now, actually. So, you know, we, we have lots of people on the team who I work with and who I spend time with, but um, no, no official setup.
0: The day will come. The day will so come.
1: Much... I'm quite happy to do it, actually, because I do think, I think about my own journey and I didn't have contacts and I didn't have a way in, so I sort of was knocking on the door... And actually, I think if I could give those opportunities to someone else, I would quite happily do that. So, one day.
0: And what's, what's the most difficult interview you've ever done?
1: Um, ooh, ooh. Can I say it out loud? Yes. <sighs> Not Which sure I can say May. that. Yeah, exactly. And everyone you've got to eavesdrop on me. Um, I interviewed a celebrity once. I can't say who it is. But... Um, I asked, the the first question was about something that had happened at an awards show the nights before, very public knowledge, and she completely freaked out, walked away, and I was like, oh, God, I've blown it, because we're taught to go in with tough questions early and just to, you know, to bite the bullet, but actually I'd gone way too hard, too fast, I think, and uh, she walked out, but then she got completely freaked out and then wanted to win me over. So became intensely kind of fixated on me and would just tell me lots of uncomfortable things. I just It was a really peculiar interview that I didn't really know how to handle. I think I'd made a mistake. She'd certainly made a mistake because she had just thrown her thrown a card out immediately and just sort of said I can't talk about this but then felt mortified about it so that was awful and if I could tell you who it was you you might nod um, and understand a little bit more but I've had interviews that are challenging in other ways so I was lucky enough to interview Hillary Clinton and actually that was a brilliant experience and an incredibly positive experience but I was terrified I was so nervous and I was an experienced interviewer by that point but actually I was so desperate to get it right mm. and to um you know get something new from her to find a new story I mean the the world's most uh professional media trained woman but actually how could I find a different side to her and uh, that? so actually it went fantastically but I was very nervous I wouldn't say it say so it's worse by any means, but it's certainly in terms of the build-up for me. And,
0: and what did you find out from Hillary Clinton that nobody'd ever? Discovered? I don't know if, it,
1: if truly that it was more. It was much softer actually. What I discovered. So it was in her behaviours and how she would talk to people and the tricks that she would use. So she was. I mean, it's not surprised. She was a diplomat for many, many years in very challenging situations. But she could put you at your ease. She could communicate in different ways. She used my name in every sentence. Lisa, that's a fantastic question. And I'd be like, it is, Hillary. I think it's it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just, I was absolutely fascinated by her behaviour and how she spoke. So I could hear this, some of the quotes that I'd read a thousand times coming out. So actually, we, I focused a lot on her delivery and, and her behaviour. It was just before she was deciding whether to run or not, and she wouldn't tell me. I wasn't that good.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you were. Right, so now we're going to do the, the happiness survey mm. together. So the first question, and you have to um, score yourself from zero through to ten, is do you feel appropriately rewarded for your work? And by rewarded, it principally means in terms of pay.
1: Mm-hmm. I'd say an eight.
0: Okay. Is there ever been a time when you've not felt appropriately rewarded for the work that you've done?
1: Yeah, uh, times previously in my career. So actually I very rarely asked for a pay rise, which is not something I promote... In the magazine, I'm always telling our audience to know their worth and their value. But actually, I found that through conversations, that actually rewards came um, without me ever having to actually f- directly ask. bar one occasion, when I did,
0: um, and how
1: did that go? It went fine, actually. It and went what absolutely did you do? fine. What well, I was boss? being poached at the time, so it was a slightly easier conversation because it really was. I've got another offer on the table. You know, I'm really invested here. The only thing slightly turning my head at the moment is the salary and uh, they matched it, which was fantastic. Um, but again, I think that's born out of, you know, length of service and what, what we'd achieve together and having that openness. It's a big motiv- motivator for me. It's not a primary motivator for me by any means. Um, I think I'm very well looked after. I would never say uh, 10 out of 10. Everyone's got to go a bit further, haven't they? So, um, But I, I feel that I have been supported in my remuneration at various points in my career, which I'm very grateful for.
0: What would your advice be to somebody who didn't feel they were being fairly paid?
1: I mean, I think I've been asked this a few times, actually, and um, I, think, I think it's a little bit about research, about understanding your market value, I think, you know, lots of people handle this conversation badly, so we'll often walk in and say, I've worked here for a year now, and I think, you know, I'm due a pay rise. Well, actually, you've got to prove your why you're an asset to that company, why you're worth investing in. You have to understand if you are actually genuinely being underpaid or whether you just feel that you deserve more. So. A bit of research really goes a long way, I think, in those conversations. And I think being prepared to ask the question and take no as an answer is really important as well, because I think people tie themselves up in knots, actually. You know, you want to talk about pay, you're incredibly emotional about pay. Well, actually, if you're going to ask, you have to expect the answer to be no as well as Yes. And then if the answer's no, it's about then saying, OK, can we agree a period which we can review that again? Or do you want to set me some targets of which I can work towards? So opening up the lines of communication on pay, I think, is important.
0: OK, thank you for that. Next question. Do you feel recognised when you do something well?
1: You know, I'm going to go pretty high on this, actually, because... As a figurehead of a brand, I think I'm incredibly lucky, actually, because I take everyone's um, recognition, which I feel incredibly guilty about a lot of the time, because people go, congratulations on this. I'm like, I didn't do that. Someone else did that. And I will really happily share that uh, recognition. So again, I go for I'm going to go for a nine on that. I think I think my company are particularly good at recognizing that and seeing, you know, the value that somebody will bring to the business. I hope I do it for everyone else. I'm sure I could do it more as well. Um,
0: and how do you do that? When you recognise your team, what do you do?
1: Oh, various things. So it might be an email, it might be a conversation. I'll try and talk, you know, with specific detail about what they've done. I ran over and hugged someone last week. You know, so it, it depends on the person, what they've done. Well, I know them
0: probably as well. <laughs> OK, so question number three. Do you have enough information to do your job well?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I'd, I yeah. I mean, I think I'd have to go for an eight on here. I my job is all about information, actually. So I have a incredibly good relationship with my management team. So I feel that like I can ask them questions directly. I'm good at asking questions. So actually, I don't wait to be told. I will often seek the information if they choose to share that. Then that's absolutely um welcome but equally i can understand if that isn't appropriate but i will always ask and try and understand and that's something that i've always done and how i've learned actually in my career so i do feel i have that um, and actually the rest of my job is about understanding the world and across the team we try and create um moments where we share that insight together so we have a big brand meeting once a month where the experts in their field will sort of share things that they've heard about or that they're thinking about um So I think I could always have more information. I don't think I will ever have enough. I'm very fact and science driven. So I love to sort of um, immerse myself in in facts and information. But I'll go for it. I'll go for an eight.
0: Okay. Next question. Do you feel information is openly shared with you at work?
1: I do, actually. I really do. Oh, it's going well, isn't it? (laughs) I do. I'm trying to think if there are any scenarios where would I... Pitch this. Probably, I'm going to go for an eight again. I think I've developed a good line of communication with the team around me. And again, by asking those questions, by showing interest, it feels like I'm offered
0: information. And, and from to... the um, from the CEO from
1: CEO yeah, all the levels. Board. I mean, all levels you
0: understand what's going on in the organization you don't feel that you're being kept in the dark
1: no well i joined the board in january so uh, i have a uh, new line of information as well but actually but has that
0: been insightful for you
1: it's been incredibly interesting i guess it's a detail that i wasn't privy to before um and do you think
0: it's made you better at your job having that level oh, i'm of... sure it will i'm sure it will
1: i always said this is to the previous point i just don't think you have too much information mm. in these situations. If you know, I don't feel overwhelmed by that. I like to know if things are good or bad. I like to understand the world in which I sit in. I love to know the context of how a decision is made. So that is incredibly interesting, great opportunity for me in lots of different ways. Mm. And I'd love to hear different people's perspectives. So understanding that, hearing that from a person's mouth is very different to having that relay to you. Uh, but actually I think my team are incredibly good at sharing information with me and I hope that we have um, a comfortable environment in which people can come to me and talk about issues with themselves or with the rest of the team. So I tend to have quite a good flow of information and people do volunteer that rather than having to uh, um, interrogate it out. Of them. And
0: there's lots of talk in the UK at the moment about employees being on boards mm. so that they're better informed. What, I mean, have, now given your experience over the last few months of being on on the board do you see a benefit in that what, what do you see the pros and the I think the cons? it's about
1: this again I think is about individuals so I I've worked with some people who would find that too overwhelming the context of parts of the business that were outside of their um specific um responsibility probably too overwhelming to take that all in and actually they. Pre- preferred a pure focus and just to get on and do that brilliantly so for me it would really be about the character that was walking into that room and how they would deal with that you know you have very candid conversations in those obviously how do you deal with that when actually it's probably a passing thought on someone's mind so i've, I've probably got mixed feelings I, th- I don't think it will work for everyone
0: okay next question Do you feel empowered to make decisions? Oh, yeah, I'm
1: 10 out of 10 on this. (laughs) uh, This is my job. All I do is make decisions all day long. And
0: has there been any job that you've done where you've not felt empowered?
1: Mm, Not as an editor. Mm, That's not quite true, actually. Um, In one of my roles as an editor, I felt that I was frequently overruled. So I found that really tricky because actually I didn't know how to make decisions in the room and that would slow the process down and make me second guess myself. I was very junior, so I can sort of see that. Um,
0: How did you deal with that?
1: Not not brilliantly, probably, because I should have been more honest, I think, about I just sort of got on with it. Um,
0: if you could and go back to, yeah. and advise now the, the younger you, what would you advise them to do?
1: I would advise having a conversation with my management team about how to make those decisions, where an appropriate time to check in or check out was, at which point I needed to have full empowerment to make a decision and where it was important really, was it opinion or is it you know, is it opinion or is it essential? I think this is something I say to my team all the time, all of the people making decisions on my teams. And I've often said, a decision is better than no decision. Nothing worse than the team sort of thinking I'm, I'm rudderless, I I'm not sure where I'm going here. Um, and actually you can undo your decisions if you really felt that you made the wrong one. I'm trying very hard and you know, to ensure that people ha- feel they ha- are empowered to make decisions with their own team because it is hard, I think, when actually part of your job is about moving things on, keeping a flow. We're on a, either on a daily deadline we- website or a weekly deadline magazine somebody's got to make some decisions or you mm. can't hit the deadline so actually um i think this is critical to business success actually i just don't think i think you just get stuck and you can see businesses where that's happened and people are going around in mm. circles so i feel very confident if i'm not confident in my decision i do have people to sense check that with but um, i do see my job as actually making decisions to allow other people to move on with and, and how?
0: you feel about empowering your team?
1: I think it's really important actually so we have department heads for each of the sections so say a fashion director a beauty director a photography director I think they have to they're experts in their fields I have to trust the judgments that they make now sometimes I do disagree with them and then we'll have a conversation about whether that is again opinion or if it's actually something critical to our success I could be better at it. I'll be honest. I think always you have to check yourself actually and sort of go am I am I why am I getting involved with this is this really important? Um so it's something we've been talking about actually this year. Um in January I got everyone together and I'm, make the decisions I will support you. And actually I think hearing that is really important as well.
0: Okay. Next question. Do you feel trusted to make decisions?
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to think of uh Would I answer that any differently to the previous question? Yeah, i actually say, as I sit here now, I would put that at 10 as well.
0: Okay. Next question. Do you have the resources you need to do your job well?
1: Uh, I'll go a little lower on this because, um, you know, there are small things like computers crashing, you know, things that slow you down in your... In your work. So I'd probably still go for a seven or eight because actually, again, when we identify a problem, we are able to resolve it as a company. Um, other bits that I would change, an extra meeting room, that would be lovely. You know, things that just slow you down in your day-to-day. So I'll people, go
0: for... Enough people to do the job well?
1: I think so, yeah. I mean, I think, like lots of companies, we have sort of changed our structure. We've changed quite heavily, actually, over the last year in that we've brought all of our... Um, digital editorial video teams together we changed how we worked and there are some points where we were still learning that certain departments were a bit stretched um, and I think we've been working very hard to rectify that so I think we're getting to a point where we have the right people in the right places um, but it's a, that's a constant learning curve and we, we are so responsive to the demands of our commercial market as well and that will dictate issue sizes or you know how much work has got to come run through the commercial team so again there's a there's a bit of learning that happens all the time and it isn't just a consistent output it does deviate and obviously if a big news story breaks in digital we might need more hands on deck so we are getting better at responding to those needs i'll go for a seven
0: okay do you feel your views are heard at work
1: Um. You may have noticed I'm not shy about coming forward. So um, I feel like there are forums to share my views. Are they always heard? I think sometimes, oh God, I'm gonna go for a nine because actually I think on the the whole, I'm incredibly lucky in terms of my opinion is incredibly valued. Um, I'm often asked for my views and my opinion. But like everyone, I'm sure there are things that we wanted to cut through a bit more that didn't cut through on occasion. But I think um, I have the platform and I have trust from the people around me that my opinion will be born from, you know, a sort of measured response as well as sort of a gut feel, which actually is part of my job as well for what our brand needs to do.
0: And was there ever a time when you felt your views weren't heard? Uh, You were shouting but nobody was listening?
1: so many times so many times over my career um and again learning how to communicate is actually a really big skill isn't it that you get as you progress through your career and again i've been incredibly emotional in some of those situations that's never paid off for me particularly well because you lose your sense of logic and control in those um situations but it's born out of frustration half the time
0: and what do you do to ensure that all members of your team have their views heard
1: We do have forums of which we're sort of inviting that. I will ask opinion quite often, actually. So that could be anything from a cover through to, there's a big initiative I'm starting to plan at the moment, which I sent to a few key members of my team to just sort of gauge their feedback yesterday. Um, So I'll invite it, I will ask for it, and I will hopefully have a comfortable enough working relationship with everyone that they feel that they can come to me in a one-to-one situation.
0: Next question. Do you feel the organisation cares for your wellbeing?
1: I think our company do care, actually, and it's a conversation that we have a lot. I think it's a really hard one to manage in a workplace, actually, because everyone's individual needs are so different. So I have been, I've had some periods where I've had to take leave, a bereavement leave or something else, and they have been fantastic like I mean just couldn't have been better in those situations and really supported that time away in a very human way as well and I think I think like everyone you would go well what else can we do something I'm thinking about at the moment what else can I do for my team to encourage that you know there are a huge amount of conversations do we implement them enough um so I feel my responsibility in this question actually is what else can I do for my team but to the word cares I think they definitely do. Okay. Could we do more
0: probably. Okay. So what are you going to score yourself?
1: Are you going to rephrase this question next then? A uh, do they actually care? <laughs>
0: do <laughs> but they but they do really, they really care? Yeah. So do. They care for your well-being, your organization. Yeah. Seven. Okay. Next question. Do you rarely feel depressed or anxious at work?
1: Do I rarely feel? I rarely I rarely feel depressed at work. That that's not an emotion that I particularly experience. I feel anxious sometimes, but that would be about for example, we held um a big awards due last week, which was fantastic but I was very anxious in the build up to that because actually the expectation was huge I really wanted it to go smoothly I wanted everyone to have a fantastic time I wanted everyone to arrive and actually come along that we had planned to be there so I I had anxiety and stress I guess as a reaction to that Um, but I would see that as a normal part of these sort of peaks that we have in our industry, where you sort of like you're very focused on a particular moment or event, and that could be mm. a true of a cover star as well. So it's like a professional anxiety rather than a personal anxiety. So for me, this isn't a state. I, I actually don't feel depression. I, in a sort of I feel overwhelmed, or um, I feel I'm quite good at juggling and staying on that and keeping some perspective about that. But I, I, I also realise that I actually have quite an optimistic outlook, so I tend to think we can do it rather than we can't do okay. it. So uh, how do we answer this? So do you really feel depressed? We're going here, aren't we?
0: So, nine. Do you feel you do something worthwhile?
1: <laughs> it depends what day you ask me this, actually. Um, I went to an International Women's Day breakfast last week with a charity called Their World, And as I sat there, I was listening to three incredible young women. Two of them had been on the bus with Malala when she was shot. And one woman um, was from Gaza Strip. And they were talking about their pursuit of education and this charity support of doing it. And I thought, oh, my God, I could do so much more. There is so much to do in this world. I really feel I could do something more. On the flip side, we do campaign. We do a lot of things on behalf of our audience. We do believe we're advocates for women. And then at other times I'm like, we're just entertainment. We're a load of fun. So it really just depends what you're doing. I'm not an ambulance driver. This was something Sarah Kramer, who I mentioned earlier, said to me. You're not an ambulance driver. Nobody dies. And I have conflict with that sometimes. I'm like, I could give more. I could give more value. But actually, I think we do what we do what we can do actually in order to make the lives of our audience better or different or to bring them insight so i don't occasionally have days where i'm like it's just shoes (laughs) i'm just having a meeting about shoes but actually on the whole i do feel that it's worthwhile and that we have something to offer that can change the conversation and actually change people's worlds and perspectives so i would go for an eight there
0: And International uh, Women's Day, there was quite a a lot of commentary I picked up afterwards saying that it had become too commercialised.
1: I actually agree with that, yeah, I do agree with that. I feel a bit uncomfortable with some of it, I have to say. So the events that I was part of last week sort of take it at its truest form, which is that this is a day to raise awareness of issues affecting women around the world. And if you look at the global feminist story... You know, our perspective versus those young women I just mentioned to you is very, very different. You know, there's a 19-year-old woman saying, I'm going to use my platform so that girls like me don't die in massacres. And actually, oddly, in the UK, we've come to a bit of like, here's a free cocktail. And actually, I, I am quite uncomfortable with that. I don't, I don't, I think it's lost some of its form. And although I genuinely believe that celebrating women is a good thing and we should definitely do that, I fear the brand that goes too far and it becomes a bit glib or it sort of seems tokenistic. And I think actually by all means join the conversation, by all means champion women, but just put your money where your mouth is and do something beyond that. So don't just make it one day, make it part of your brand story. So if you want to support women's charities, you can support women's charities. If you want to create a community initiative, you can do that. But actually finding that bit of the world, rather than just that, yay, it's all about the women today, feels it does feel a bit uncomfortable. And I, we, I think it will blow up quite soon, actually. I don't think that's a sustainable position. So I think everyone needs to think about why they're getting involved with it and what the purposes and why is this day why was this day created in the first place? Actually it's to raise awareness of issues and their issues affecting women, but they are broad, you know, there are huge amounts of problems in the world for women and actually it's just an opportunity to focus on that, and think about what we can do.
0: So do you think there'll be a backlash against companies that are saying on the International Women's Day, twenty five percent off makeup? Do you
1: Yeah. That? I really do actually because I just think I, I just think it's lost the spirit of which it was born and actually it, it really is a confused I think it is a confused message so brands look like they're just hijacking a moment hijacking a day but really it's just this, what a short-term sales initiative you know consumers are which you're well aware are very savvy and you know have a complete understanding of the marketing techniques you know social media has ripped down every wall now mm. so Just looking like you have joined a conversation without any substance to that, I think is tricky.
0: Okay. Um, Do you feel proud to work for your organisation?
1: Ten. Easy.
0: Is there any organisation you've worked for that you've not felt proud of? Uh,
1: No, actually. No. I've always been proud of what I've achieved. There are moments where I look back and I think I would have done things differently on the brands that I worked on. When I was working, I was speaking a little bit about this before, but when I was working on some newsstand magazines, I did things just because we'd always done them. So let's talk about a photoshopped image or a a cover line that would talk in a certain way or that might be about diet. And actually, it doesn't sit very comfortably with me now. And I didn't realise... I think I just didn't realise at the time I I had the power to do something different, to change that conversation and to challenge that. So I sort of conformed and went along with the things that I was being told by the people around me and I look back and I go mm, do I feel 100% proud of that particular issue or that particular piece of work that I put out some of them are questionable but that's with, that is in hindsight so I didn't mm. feel that at the time. at the time I've always felt incredibly proud to represent the brands that I did it's just that with it in hindsight I sort of think oh, I didn't maybe I just didn't challenge it
0: so on, enough. on stylish would you ever photoshop now
1: uh, we would not. We would never change. We would never change someone's body shape at all, ever. We would Photoshop backgrounds quite often because you know a stray microphone's gone in, or I don't know. Sometimes an odd chair, and you're like that sort of obsessing how it looks. We don't particularly change skin tones. People ask us to actually. Celebrities ask us, to, and we have conversation Some quite interesting conversations. We're like, we don't. We're not going to do that. We don't feel comfortable. Um so I can't say it isn't there at all, it is there sometimes. And that will usually be from a photographic perspective, say a shadow, but we try and have a very clear line that we won't aesthetically change, we wouldn't lighten a skin tone, darken a skin tone. We try and be as true as possible. Um but it, it you know, people want it. This is the funny thing. We live in a world of filters and you know, editing photos that we take from above the whole time. Actually, people are a little bit uncomfortable with what they look like sometimes. And so we try and ha- be really honest and just say we're, we're, we're the wrong brand for this conversation.
0: Uh, the next question, and we're almost at the end now. How likely are you to recommend your friends and family to work at your organisation?
1: Yeah, I'd say a, a, a nine. And the only reason I wouldn't give it a 10 is because it wouldn't be for everyone it is we work really hard um we um are completely passionate and committed to our brand and that makes us sort of quite tunneled visions sometimes so i think if, if you're on board and you want to be part of that that's a 10 out of 10 but it really wouldn't necessarily be for everyone
0: so a nine yeah uh do you feel that you are treated with respect
1: yeah i absolutely do feel like a bit of a girly swat answering these, because I'm just sort of doing a ten out of tens of things. But I really do feel that I'm treated with respect
0: um, from all of my teams. Okay. Do you enjoy your job?
1: I'd say ninety-five percent of the time, I do. Obviously, I am I am enthusiastic about what I do. I'm incredibly lucky to do what I do. I feel very privileged not only because it's fun, and it is fun, you know, we get to create content. You know, I love the ideas process. I love the craft of creating magazines and content online and videos. I love how sociable it is. Um, I love how interesting it is. It's so varied. I get to meet so many interesting people and get out into the world. And then, you know, like everyone else, I've got admin and budgets and management issues and long days to contend with. So, you know, I can't, I'm going to say nine because you'd be lying if you said you enjoyed every single bit all the time, but in the most part, I feel very lucky.
0: Okay. Do you feel that you have a good relationship with your line manager?
1: Does anyone say no to this?
0: <laughs> they, they do. Do they? Funnily enough.
1: Amazing. I, I, yeah, ten. I I have a really good working dynamic and have done it actually ever since I've been at Stylist and I've had a, a couple of different line managers
0: during that time. Um, and anywhere where you haven't
1: oh sure yeah I mean I've never really had a terrible problem I mean I can't I know some people have such awful tales of you know managers who where it's just gone completely wrong I've never had anything like that I've had bumpier relationships Um, but on the whole I would probably put them all towards the more positive end of that
0: Uh, Do you feel you are being developed?
1: Yeah, I feel like I learn all the time, actually. Like, as I mentioned to you earlier, I've joined the board this year, which is an amazing opportunity for me to learn about the entire business and to understand the inner workings. So that is a huge development piece for me, and I will be lucky enough to do some training alongside that as well. So I'm being really supported through that. So I'll go for a nine then, because I think, um, I think I've been incredibly fortunate, actually. And I love the fact that our company have, will invest around that as well. And that's something we're thinking about for the whole team, which is what are the other ways in which we can invest in our team and in our people? And I think learning and development has got to be the most critical part of that.
0: Uh, do you feel <laughs> happy
1: at work? Zero. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I've, I think I've enthused quite, a, quite a bit. I'll okay, go for nine. It's, it's like the previous question where I think there are moments, there are things that I have to do that are part of going to work that maybe I would prefer not to do, but actually, in the most part, I'm very happy.
0: Very good. Nine out of ten. Now we ask you three questions, and uh, what we'd like to know is what changes that you would like to make to improve your workplace happiness. So the top three things. Improve your workplace happiness, and you just need to type those in.
1: Right. Oh, this is a thinking one. Uh, more time, definitely. So, more time. I work four days a week. I feel like every second of that is accounted for. Um, and actually, part of my job is being creative, so finding room to be creative can be quite challenging. Uh, that would definitely uh boost my happiness um
0: but then i I mean you're unique because you've got three children you're editor of a fantastically successful magazine um will you ever have enough time no (laughs) (laughs)
1: unless they invent a way to not sleep no (laughs) so it's uh
0: so yeah, I feel compromise. stretched in every way. Yeah,
1: it is a, a constant compromise, which I'm prepared to do. But actually, this is partly my own competitive battle with myself. I always think, if I just had a bit more time, I could have done that a little mm. bit better. And I just would, it'd just be nice to not be hurtling around quite so much sometimes. I get genuinely excited when meetings cancel. <laughs> it's like a one an hour. It's so amazing. Did you ever
0: get time, Lisa, to just stop, do nothing? Think. Time for yourself. No. No, that's not something I Do you, do you I, wish for that?
1: I long for that. I actually I long for that and yet really recently I was thinking about the fact that um, I'm not sure I ever had it. So I don't think this I was thinking, oh imagine imagine in the evenings, you know, having all that time just to yourself and in the way that I did before I had kids or and actually I very rarely went home and sat on the sofa. So I've always filled my time I like to be busy I like to be sociable but actually I am a genuinely busy character um I've been thinking about how much we can invest in learning in in work that's something I've been thinking a lot about but is that cheating to just sort of do a more time to learn
0: no you put um yeah more, more learning, learning experience. experiences more time more opportunities for learning development And your third one?
1: Doing more creative things and less administrative things, which are very personal. Which is part of being a manager, isn't it? You sort of adopt different sort of roles and responsibilities and the bit you get into into the job for, sometimes you do less and less. So, actually, do you know what I'm going to write here? More writing. I would love to write more than I do and that's why I got into the job. I simply don't have time to do it. So occasionally I dabble and I'm like I make the biggest deal out of it. <laughs> I, just...
0: I think that's quite a common thing though. I mean so many people get into a line of work and they love it. But then they think I'm ambitious, it. I want yeah. to be promoted. And as you say, as you get higher, you're doing budgets and organizational structures course, and you're yeah. not doing the thing you went in for. So do you ever so do you look back then and think gosh I, I wish I could go back a step or two and
1: sometimes sometimes I think I'd like to be just a brilliant features editor somewhere. I love features and I love coming up with the ideas and think about who will write them and spin them. And I think, God, I'd be so good at that. Imagine just focusing on one thing um, and then that, you know, that will pass again. But the idea of a purity of just one set of responsibilities, one thing to focus on, and, you know, just playing with words all the time Mm. is really enticing. I love that bit. I actually love editing hands-on editing of copy as well. It's quite satisfying. And also there's a beginning and an end. That's really nice as well.
0: Okay, so we've, we've finished all the questions now. Now we go on to the filters. And the reason that we go okay. through these filters is because at the end, you get a score that compares you to people who look like you. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing now is we're going to answer a number of questions. What gender are you?
1: I'm female. I am 35 to 44. Flattering, thank you. <laughs> Management? That's funny, because like, that question is, are you management or non-management? I don't necessarily feel that my... oh, I am management, but I definitely am. Which job from this list most reflects what you do? I would probably go for the creative design one. Industry. Let's see how we're classified these days. Entertainment and the media. There
0: we go. So, you now we cover all the countries in the world, yeah. and people from 132 countries have so far taken the survey. Ah, brilliant. Uh, let me
1: see that. Okay, I'm
0: finished. So it's now going to tell you, Lisa,
1: Gosh, what enthusiasm have you
0: how you compare.
1: It's quite nerve wracking, isn't
0: it? It is. So we've had more than 10,000 people okay. take the survey. And Lisa, I'm delighted to tell you that your happiness rating is 881 out of 1,000. Nice. The that global figure mm-hmm. is uh, 654. So uh, more than 10,000 individuals around the world are taking this survey, more than 100 companies have used it, and the average is 654, so you're way above. Then for people who look like you, Mm -hmm. so people in your industry, your age, your gender, your ethnicity, the score is 664. I'm
1: doing well then.
0: So you are massively, (laughs) massively ahead uh, of your industry, so Congratulations. And if you look at the uh, six different areas uh, that we measure, you're 85% uh, on reward and recognition. Uh, information sharing is the lowest; that's 77. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get uh, full marks on empowerment; you get 100%. Yeah. Uh, well-being 87 is high. Uh, instilling pride uh, 90 is high. And job satisfaction, obviously, as you've said. Uh, it's very high at 95, and in fact, earlier on you said you were 95% yeah, in uh, <laughs> yes, oh your God, job, yeah. so it uh, measured it perfectly. And then there are a number of other things that the survey will measure for you. The first is on the well-being um, matrix. This shows people where they sit in terms of their well-being, and as you can see, you score above the global average. If you didn't score well here, what we recommend is that you go off and take a, a specific well-being test, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, an NHS test. Oh, fantastic. We then have a score for you, uh, and this one is um, the stickiness index. And this shows you how likely you are to either stay in your job or leave your job, and you are very sticky. You Ah, are right at the top end and well above the global average. And the next one is um, uh, anarchists, And And this is how likely you are to promote your Mm organisation. And again, not surprisingly, you score well above the global average Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of being an apostle for your business. And then the last one we have here is on career development. And this judges how well people feel that they're being developed in their workplace. And again, not surprisingly, given your excellent score, uh, you sit well above the global average Mm -hmm. in terms of your career development. So Lisa I'm delighted to say that you scored incredibly highly on our workplace happiness survey.
1: Thank you very
0: much. Um, I've got a couple of final questions yes. to ask you uh, if I may. The first one is uh, what song <laughs> makes you feel happiest? Um, I've got well,
1: I've got three songs in mind different reasons. So my Elder Son is very into The Greatest Showman, so uh, we had a very, very big rendition of Never Enough on uh, Sunday, I think it was. I was like, this is making me so happy. He's really into it, I'm really into it. So that was it. But probably not my all-time favourite. I think it would either be a toss-up between uh, Fleetwood Max The Chain... <laughs> Don't Now by Queen, which have a lot of happy memories for me. Over the years with friends, with my husband, lots of dancing, lots of fun. So they have big emotional balls. Because I'm having a good time, having a good time. A shooting star leaping through the sky. Like a tiger defying the laws of gravity. I'm
0: a racing car. Then, uh, lastly, who would you nominate to take the workplace happiness survey? Uh,
1: so I would nominate. Got a couple of people in mind actually. I'd be interested to hear from Nicola Mendelsohn, uh, Facebook, um, who is an incredibly positive person. I find her fascinating actually. I, I was chatting to her recently, and she said that um, I said, "How are you? You know, have you been?" way much she said I've been traveling absolutely loads and it has been brilliant and I've never heard anyone say that before so to talk about their you know the stretch of their time and their presence with their family but to be so positive and I just thought actually I would be really fascinated to hear about that from her and also someone else who um, I think is an incredibly positive but not person is Emma Barnett uh, who obviously is a uh, Five Live presenter and does Newsnight and Women's Hour and such like. But again, she's got a really interesting, ambitious outlook, incredibly positive. I like positive people. I'm I'm very attracted to how they talk and how they feel. So um, I'd like to hear from both of them.
0: Thank you very much indeed uh, for your time, your precious time, for filling in the survey (laughs) uh, and for giving so much brilliant advice to people who I know will aspire to achieve all that you've achieved. Thank you very
1: much. Oh, thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. And again, if you want to take control of your workplace happiness, go to engaging.works and take the free happiness survey. See you next time.